0: All right. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing today? Great. All right. All right. We'll get there. There's coffee and it's all good. So welcome. My name is Steve and I'm uh, one of the leaders on staff here at Medina. And I have the awesome privilege of uh, doing Give It Away. It's like our mission stuff. And so that local and global training, like you're going to want to do that. OK, because you'll be you'll be on my good side. I really appreciate that. Now, I, I like everybody, but that's a good class. So I just want to do another shout out to that Uh, But that's not what we're here to talk about this morning. We're here to talk about the series that we've been in. We're here to talk about patterns that change us, okay? So this has been, for me at least, it's been a really awesome series. I know, and I've talked to a lot of you who uh, have shared the same thing of how, man, this has been so awesome and practical of seeing what Jesus has modeled uh, for us to do and how we can uh, pattern our lives after him in various ways. And so we've been going through um, different kinds of uh, symmetries of uh, practices. And so this weekend is actually the last of those practices. So we're gonna look at two practices, starting one this weekend and the last one next weekend. And I really wish this series would just go on forever. And so uh, maybe I can petition that. But uh, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna finish it off uh, this weekend. And so to do that, I just got to warn you ahead of time. Uh, My dad jokes have been pretty strong lately. So uh, this is a pattern that actually works, okay? I'm going to tell you that right now. This is a pattern that actually works. We're talking about work and rest, okay? So we're going to be talking today about... Work. This idea of work and what God has to say about our work and how we can pattern our lives in such a way um, that, that orients us around God's way of work. And then next week, of course, we'll talk about rest. All right, so... To do this, to start off, I want to just show us this little graph, okay? So this is a human. I mean, this is like an average day of a human. It's obviously not a human. But this is the average day in the life of human beings, okay? So we sleep a lot, about 29%. So some of us, depending, you know, we may sleep six to eight hours or something like that, or four hours if you're in school like I am with three kids. But we, we sleep at some point, right? And then we pray, maybe we read for an hour a day, um, maybe, uh, so like And you can see a big chunk of our day goes to our job, to our work. And so that's about 33%. Um, We spend some time with family and friends, depending on your family and friends. We do uh, errands and chores maybe sometime throughout the day. And I just clump food and entertainment together because... Sometimes they go hand in hand, and you'll see there's no working out or anything on here for me. Uh, but you know we're trying to change that. Uh, th- we'll get there. But this is like there's only so much time in a day. I mean, come on. Um, but you can see a huge chunk of our day goes to our job, goes to our work. You know they say that about a third of our life goes to work, and so that's a big chunk of our of our day, of our weeks, of our months, and of our years. And and work isn't just this point of time here in our job. you know, it, It's work sometimes to be with our family and friends, honestly, it's work to do chores and things like that. And so work goes beyond the paycheck even. And so we're gonna talk about those things, the, th- that, the thing of work that takes up uh, a lot of our day. And so to do that, we should probably define uh, work. And so we have the need to define that because the way we define work is gonna play out in how we actually view our work and how we actually go about our work. So depending on the definition that we have, we may work or view work very differently. And so some of us, maybe we go one of two extremes. The first extreme might be this. We might see our work as this, that we just work to live. We just simply work to live so this might be something that um, like a lot of things have crept in into our Western thought from ancient uh, Greece and Roman thought. And so what I mean here is if you look at Aristotle, something he says is really interesting. He says this, happiness seems to depend on leisure. We work in order to enjoy leisure, just as we make war in order to enjoy peace. And so that's very interesting. I think what he's saying is like, To live is to be happy, and to be happy depends on what we can do in our leisure time, in our free time, and we cannot enjoy those things unless we just do the necessary evil of work so that we can get back to doing what we've always just wanted to do anyways, which is not work, and to enjoy our lives and do leisure and happiness, things like that. So work is just that, necessary evil. We work to live. So you find the best paying job that you can to work the fewest hours that you can so you can get back to your real life of pursuing happiness and leisure that is outside of work. Some of us, if we're honest, we, we absolutely hate our jobs. All we do is we clock in just so we can hurry up and clock out. And so for some of us, we, we work simply to live. The next extreme is uh, we live to work. So some of us, we, might, we work to live, but maybe for some of us, we live to work. For others, it, the work is like centered around our identity, okay? It's centered around, our identity centered around the very work that we do. Like I'm Steve Van Meter, but not simply Steve Van Meter. I am Steve Van Meter, the resident of Give It Away at Grace Church. And if that title ever went away, so would my identity. We live to work. And, and we all do this to some extent. I mean, we know, the number one thing that we usually ask people when we first meet them is, What do you do? What do you do for work? And depending on our definition of work or how we view work, when that question is asked of us, we may respond very differently. So if we're kind of the work to live type, then we're usually like, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm doing this thing right now at this place. And what we're really saying is like, I really hate my job and I'm ashamed of it. So please don't question my identity in it. Or if we're the live to work type, we might say, you know, I was hoping you would say, that, ask that question because precisely because my identity is totally wrapped up in what I do for work. And so for me, I, might, I think I might bend more towards this way, we live to work, uh, mostly because of my son telling me that, I think. <laughs> so um, once a week, it's, I, I get this time um, in, my, in my day once a week to hang out with me and just my three kids and my wife, Maggie, she goes far away. And so I'm just hanging out with my kids one day and my uh, oldest son, Emery, he's five and he goes, hey dad, can we go hang out in the attic? And it's not as weird as you sound, it, my, my uh, office is in the attic. And so I'm like, sure, we can go hang out in the attic, why? And he's like, well, I got a lot of work to do. And I'm like, you got a lot of work to do. Okay, so I go up to the attic, and he's literally, this is what he's doing. He found this Candyland box. It's his monitor. He's going at it on the computer, uh, pretend. So I was like, buddy, what, is this something that you just see daddy do all the time? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right. So maybe I am <laughs> that kind of person. I just live to work, and, and I see that through my kids. So that, that's interesting. I'll leave that up there for fun. But uh, we got we to gotta ask ourselves, like, which is Right. Which of these is right? Which extreme is right? And I actually think it's probably a healthy mix of both. I honestly think that we, we just do both. We work to live and we live to work. Okay, I think it's actually a healthy dose of both. So, because what we do for work is very important. It, it takes up most of our day, like we saw in that graph. It takes up about a third of our life. So, of course, Jesus thinks it's important what we do with our work, but we shouldn't wrap our identity up too much into it. Right, it should be our identity should come out of our work, not because of it. And we're called to work, and it's good. And if we don't work, we don't eat. We need to work, and it's a good thing. We're called to do that. So here is a biblical definition of work. This is one that I, I just love. It's from this uh, author and professor Gary Bashir He says that he said work is the gracious expression of Yahweh's creative energy in service of others to create shalom. So Yahweh, that's just another, uh, that's just a name for God. And Shalom, that means peace and service of others. or building a well-ordered community, creating a well-ordered community. So in other words, work is not where you get your identity. You work out of your identity. It's not limited to a paycheck. Instead, it's when you do something to express your physical and mental energy for the benefit of others, for the benefit of our community, for peace and community. It's the stay-at-home mom. It's the software developer. It's when you maintain your garden. It's when you serve in and out of the church, whatever it is that the Lord has created and designed you to do in service for others. So this definition, on purpose, is actually centered around God. So let's find out why that is and kind of try to seek this pattern, um, seek how we can pattern our lives after it. So, to do that, I want to basically just take us from Genesis to Jesus and see about this concept of work. So, go ahead and go to Genesis 1. Go to Genesis 1. If you have a Bible, pull it up. Uh, it'll obviously be on the screens here, too. But Genesis 1 is where we're going to start, and we're going to spend uh, most of our time there. We'll jump around a little bit. But here, and here's just kind of I'm an outline guy, so maybe this does it for you, but this is like where we're going with this thing. We're going to talk very quickly about God's work, and then quickly we'll see how it goes straight into our work. We'll talk about how it's hard work, and then we're gonna talk briefly about Jesus' work. Okay, so that's the the path we're gonna take today. So first, we'll talk about God's work, which is just right away, right away in the Bible. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right away, we see God is creating. God, he went to work, the first book of the Bible starts off and says God went to work. He went to work to create the heavens and the earth. God went to work and made nothing out of, uh, something out of nothing and he took this nothing that is called a formless uh, and chaotic thing and he made it beautiful. He made something formless and void to have structure. He made work, he made life. He made all this stuff that we see and it was good. And so, after God made some stuff, um, fast forward a little bit, you would see that God, you know, He makes the, the, the earth and the sky and the water and all that stuff. And then, very quickly, He goes into our work, right when He's finished off with His work. Check it out. Go down to verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us now make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock. And all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So, God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, here we see God creating mankind to be in his image, to be his image bearers, people that bear his image. And God puts us to work pretty quickly. Well, what kind of work? The work of ruling over things, the work of being fruitful, increasing or multiplying, filling the earth, subduing it, having dominion over all that God has created. Wow, what an awesome gift that God would make all of this, yet he gives it Really to us to rule over it, to keep it, and everything in it. Now, dominion and rule, it's it's like government language. So we're given this territory to kind of be sovereign over, to ensure that things go smoothly and that there is structure and peace, that things run smoothly. And of course, he wants us to fill it up. Okay, that literally means to, to have babies for some of us, of course, but it's also to create culture, to, to create a culture of image-bearers, people that would bear. God's image. And so there's something, I just want to point out something really interesting about uh, this call and this word specifically of subdue on uh, the earth. It actually has two opposing meanings. Number one, I think this is the the meaning that it actually means, is it's to make a path or to clear a way. Okay, so that's a positive thing. Well, the other word is to molest or to assault or to abuse, which is really interesting because for sure, God intends for us to take this earth to make clear paths. I think what he means literally is by making towns and cities and roads and things like that, structures, but, but also spiritually for paths for people to become proper image bearers. And that's all a good thing. And, and how do I know that, that that's the preferred word of subdue? Well, because uh, it, it means make straight paths rather than destroying. God himself set that example up for us. He, he says in verses 1 and 1 and 2 that God, he created. He created something that was formless and void and chaotic into something that was now having, having form and beauty and life. And so he modeled that for us for sure. Now, however, sin does enter into the mix later on in the creation story, and we'll see a little bit of that. And we see that people actually do the very opposite of God's intent. Okay, so now people pervert the call from God, assaulting, destroying land and people and image bearers. And as image bearers, we have the choice. We can make good and straight paths with our work and life, or we can destroy and make death with our work as well. So God, he takes, he's basically in this passage, he's like talking to himself. He says, hey, let's make humans rule over creation. He makes them. And then he tells them, hey, here's your gift of creation. Go ahead and rule, fill, subdue, have dominion over it. Create good, beautiful things. Create culture. And then, jump to chapter two. This is what God says The Lord God then took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. To work it and to take care of it. So, God, he puts them in the garden to do the things that he just told them to do to rule, to fill, subdue, increase, multiply. And here, our translations say to work it and to take care of it. And uh, there's something interesting I wanna point out here, too. And by now, you're probably like, come on, man. Everything's interesting to you. Like, can we just get on with it? It says, work it and take care of it. What more do we need to talk about, right? And, and that's how I, I view this passage, too, reading it hundreds of times. I, I read this guy, John Salehammer, though, and he was getting me back into uh, the original language of the word work and the word take care of it. So these two phrases, and something interesting you'll find, this, this phrase here, to work it, it's actually, this works actually more, and more often than not in the Old Testament, it means to serve, to serve God, to serve as an act of worship to God. So it actually might be better translated, to worship God, and then to take care of it, and when you look at it everywhere else in the Hebrew, the original language Hebrew and in the Old Testament, it's to obey, to obey God's commands. So that's very interesting. And so um, you, can, you can trust me on that or we can look at John Stahelhammer and see what he has to say because he's the guy that studied it like crazy. So let's just go with him. He says, the man is put in the garden to worship God and obey him. The man's life in the garden was to be characterized by worship and obedience. He was to be a priest, not merely a worker and keeper of the garden. So what's he saying here is that Adam was not simply to work and take care of a piece of land. The number one job was to worship God and to obey Him. While Adam and Eve were creating, filling, subduing, increasing, they did it all while doing the number one job, worship and obey God. That's the number one job, to worship God and to obey Him. And so the same is for us. And that's a question that we can ask ourselves. Do we see our number one job as image bearers, we're all image bearers, as our number one job is to worship God and to obey him? Do we see this in every aspect of our lives, including in, at, and through our work? But you know, the thing is that it's no surprise if we don't, if, we, if we've lost or never had this biblical vision of work before, and this is precisely because Genesis 3 happened, the fall happened. And so this is where we start to see that our work is now hard work, it's hard work. Genesis three, jump down there. Verse 17, this is after the fall happened here. So Adam, he said, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat The plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. So, so the call is the same before and after the fall. We're we're called to create, to fill, subdue, worship, and obey. Except now, the ground is cursed. (laughs) Our work is toil. Our efforts will become annoying and frustrating with thorns and thistles. We're gonna get sweaty and it's harder work than originally intended. See, when God started the garden, it was almost like a self-sustaining thing and all we had to do for our work was to collect and maintain the garden and worship God and obey him. But now with the fall, with thorns and thistles occurring and the ground being cursed, the garden is no longer because we've been displaced from it. Adam and Eve were taken away from the garden. So now instead our work is to create our own gardens, to do the work of creating, the work of harvesting, the work of maintaining. The, the fruit that was the wor- for us is no longer freely given. So to sum that up, humans were created, okay? We were, made, we're all made in God's image to be in God's likeness. We're all called to rule, fill, subdue while worshiping and obeying God. Humans fall, the fall happens. We're still made in, the, in God's image, but now it's to help others go back to God's likeness. We're still called to rule, fill, and subdue, but it's for a cursed earth, and it's going to be with painful toil and frustrations. While now our tendency is not to worship and to obey God, so the work—it's nearly the same in both cases. And there's going to be work in the new heaven and the new earth when Jesus comes back. There's going to be gardens and life, and a God—the God who we will worship and obey. But here and now, we need to fight for that. We need to fight for worshiping and obeying God even while at work. And we need to fight to help others to see that as well. And we need to have hope in this area too because despite the toughness of our work, we can have hope in this area even now. If you're a lawyer, you're likely frustrated about the injustices in the world on a daily basis that you see. Well, Jesus, when he comes back, he's gonna have ultimate justice. If you're a doctor type, you're probably frustrated with the sicknesses and diseases that you see on a day-to-day basis. One day, Jesus is coming back and he's gonna take that all away. If you're a construction worker, you're probably tired of the hard work of the ground and I think we're still gonna do construction work in heaven, so I don't know. But uh, that's something that we'll be doing and we need you. And so these things are important for us today, but one day, it's gonna be different. Either way, Jesus is coming back He's gonna make all things new. There's gonna be no more death, no more sickness. Creation as we know it, relationships as we see it, are going to be restored back to normal. So our work today is not in vain. Well, what about Jesus? Let's see what he has to say about work and um, what do we know about Jesus and his work and what he thinks about it? Well, Jesus, he grew up absolutely worshiping and obeying God. He became an architect like his father Joseph, like his dad Joseph. And then later on, he like ministry, he swapped to ministry um, with his father. And so let's talk about Jesus' work then. To do that, I just want us to go to Matthew 13. You can go there in your Bible real quick or check it out right here. Matthew 13 says this in verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, so he just got done talking about these parables. These are just stories that he's telling people. He moved on from there. And coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue or churches and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Isn't this some normal guy, a construction worker? Uh, what's he doing teaching the word of God to people? <laughs> Joseph, Jesus' dad on earth, he was an architect or a carpenter. And in that time and culture, it was common that the kids ran the family business. They got involved. So even though this was Jesus' job and duty, he still fulfilled his role as worshiping and obeying God. We can see that through him teaching anyways. So much so that the religious leaders and others, they were so surprised that someone with such a low-class job, like a construction worker at that time, would be able to teach the word of God in such a way for people. Which is sort of ironic to me because uh, the religious leaders, their job was to teach others to worship and obeying God. So why would it be surprising that anyone, no matter what they did for their work, could articulate the word of God to others? It's interesting. History tells us that Joseph, Jesus' dad, likely died sometime um, before Jesus started his official ministry at age 30. And Jesus being the oldest son, he likely had to take over that construction business to take care of it and his family. And so he had to provide for his family that way. But then, of course, we do see Jesus kind of swap into full-time ministry. And his work, his work in ministry gets him in a lot of trouble. And so we see it here and we see it in other places like John 5, verse 16. It says this, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath. So Jesus was doing work on the Sabbath, okay, the day of rest. Big no-no for these guys, right? So Jesus is healing people, loving people, doing this work on the Sabbath. And the Jewish leaders began to persecute him because of it. But in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Okay, so the religious leaders, they're upset with Jesus on the Sabbath, the day of rest. And we'll talk more of rest next week. Um, It's another pattern that God has given us. God on the seventh day rested, and we can see that with him and with Jesus. So stay tuned next week for that. But Jesus, he does God's work on that day, and he defends doing his work and his father's work. God is always at work. See, the religious leaders, they they must have gotten burnt out or something. They're making up all these rules for everyone to follow that are so strict and slightly off base of scripture. And they just start whining when Jesus is performing these works on the Sabbath. And it's not even like he's doing uh, a ton of work, he's putting in relational work, he's loving people, he's obeying God, he's worshiping God through that kind of work on that day. Maybe that's threatening to the religious leaders here. We know that they wanted to look good on the outside because of their works, but on the inside it wasn't so good with their hearts. So I wondered if they were threatened by Jesus because maybe they actually just didn't wanna do that kind of work on one day. (laughs) Maybe they're like, God, we have this one day of rest, really don't want to love people on this day, right? Jesus, you're showing, you're like, you're, you're putting us in a bad spot, Jesus. You're going on loving and obeying God on this day of rest. We shouldn't be doing that. I wonder if that's what happened. I know for me, like, I, I'm in full-time ministry. My day off is on Friday. So on Fridays, I'm not even a Christian, right? I just take that hat off, and it's like, my day off, I'm a full-time Christian six other days of the week, right? That's ridiculous. <laughs> you don't just take that hat off because you're not working, You don't just take that hat off because you are working. You're not just a Christian on this time, right? When we come to church or when we go to life group, it's not some special reserved time. It's an all of life thing to worship and to obey God and to love others and do these things. But how many of us maybe think that way? We we kind of can separate and compartmentalize our lives in such a way that when we are working, maybe we don't think I'm supposed to be worshiping and obeying God in and through my work. Maybe we think it's only reserved for times like this. Uh, for those that follow Jesus, that is our main job, to, to go into our work in every area of our life and our day, worshiping and obeying God. And so what I wanna do is I wanna get practical with this, and I just wanna ask three questions uh, of us for us to reflect on. So we're gonna reflect on three questions And then one encouragement. So that's what we're going to do. So the first question is this. What do you think about your work? Just think about that. What do you think about your work? Are you able to worship and obey God while at work? And if not, why not? Either maybe we've forgotten or never had the biblical vision for work like we're seeing here. Or or maybe we're letting our work get in the way of our biblical vision for work. And I'm not saying that we should think that our work should cater to our uh, practices of Jesus or or us being Christians in that lifestyle. It's much more about our hearts usually than the work that we're doing. See, if Christians start quitting their jobs because their jobs didn't cater to us being followers of Jesus, then we're gonna be jobless and the church is gonna have a missed opportunity in a huge area of our lives. A third of our lives goes to work. That's an opportunity. So the question here, This question should really lead us to prayer. It should lead us to praying and asking God, what does God think about our work? What does God think about our work? Asking him, God, give me clarity about that. God, how can I have a biblical vision of your work at my work? Some of us hate our work and we're like, I don't wanna pray that. Pray that prayer. God, what is the biblical vision for me at my work? God, are you leading me to stay here and to change my mind about my work? Or maybe you're leading me to follow and trust you into a new type of work. So ask that question and pray that prayer. Ask God for those things. Question two, are you the best at your work? Okay, do you, do you own it? Are you trying to be the best that you can at your work, at the work that you do? So some of you, I know some of you have really crappy jobs, like literally, I have a friend who does septic work and so for him, he tries to do the crappiest job he can and that's awesome, right? So don't hear me, I'm not saying that we should obsess over our work, be the best and do whatever you can to be better than the other guy, like some kind of competition or uh, be better than the next person or climb the ladder kind of thing. Just be the best that you can at your work and the way we define work will play that out very differently. Maybe biblically, we look at this. We look at Colossians and we we look at Colossians 3 verse 17 and we say, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. A a buddy of mine who uh, discipled me or mentored me for a, a long time he, he was in ministry, and, and he was going to school for ministry. He was in ministry, doing God's work that way. And he got out of ministry, and um, I, I was like, what are you doing now? And he, he's like, yeah, I drive uh, elderly people around. And I'm like, okay, so you went from ministry to that? Like, how do you feel about that? And he's like, you know what? At, at first, I really hated my job. I really didn't like it. But, but now what I've found is that he has so many opportunities to share God's word and God's hope with these people, with people that he's spending 30, 40, 50 minutes with in a car, people that most of them are depressed and down on their life. They're, they're nearing the end of their life and they know it and they're reflecting on the, the things that they did wrong and the things that they could have done better. And he's there doing this job, driving around elderly people to the glory of God and sharing the hope that he has in Jesus for others, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. Jesus, and so that kind of thinking can be really helpful for us, and so maybe for you, and you're like, I don't know what I'm good at, okay, I'm at this job, and I'm trying, I don't know what I'm really good at, and let us help you with that, okay, here's something practical you can do, you can go to identify, it's part of this thing that we call discovery, and it has four parts, and a piece of that is something we call identify, and we'll go through spiritual gifts with you, and we'll go through a personality test, so if you haven't been through that, we'd love to help you with that, to help you see like how kind of start seeing how God has designed you and how you can do something so you can be the best at what you can do. So check that out on our website, sign up for that, go to identify. Another question here, how then can you do God's work while at work? Okay, so if our number one job is to worship and obey, this absolutely needs to play out in our work, play out in the one third of our life that we're devoting to work. See, doing God's work, it actually, it doesn't mean you have to be in full-time ministry or even a regular nine-to-five job. We need God's workers everywhere. We need stay-at-home moms that are God's workers. We need IT workers who are God's workers. We need architects and construction workers who are God's workers. Probably, I don't know, we need YouTubers and those people that are doing it for God's work and God's glory. So... A couple weeks ago, um, if you were here, uh, just to kind of drill in this point a little bit, a few weeks ago I was, I was preaching here on acting, which is my favorite thing to tell people to go do stuff. So that's what I got to do. And one of the things I said, and it's, and it's true even now, and I say this like all the time so it's worth repeating, I'm like, my one conclusion to everything, when I'm teaching or preaching or whatever I'm doing, is that this, we should love God, love others, and make disciples. And I think that's so true in this area. How can you do God's work while at work? How can you love God, love others, make disciples in that area? And don't take my word for it. I got Tim Keller to back me up, okay, which is not the right way to do things. But, hey, this is Tim Keller, and he has this really good book called Every Good Endeavor. So if you want to get more into uh, work stuff, there's so much to talk about, and this is just the avenue we're taking. So read good books like that and other books like Garden City by John Mark Comer. But Tim Keller, he says this, love then occupies a supreme place in the Christian imagination. As Jesus says, to be fully human boils down to loving God and loving our neighbor. Everything else, our accomplishments, our causes, our identity, and our feelings, it's a distant second. Of course, this understanding of the nature of reality will have an extensive impact on how we do our work. For instance, are relationships a means to an end of accruing power, wealth, and comfort, or, is our work and wealth and creation, a means to serve the end goal of loving others. One way it goes against the grain of the universe made by a triune God, and therefore it cannot honor him or lead to human flourishing, or, or even our personal flourishing. The other is the paradigm of Christian work. So the paradigm of Christian work, love God, love others. Love God, love our neighbors. Our number one job, worship and obey God. And if you need something more practical than that, one thing that we, all, we often say is pray for your three. So that's the language that we say, and what that means is are there three people that you can identify at your work that you're praying for that you want desperately to come to know Jesus? And I'll tell you what, if you, if you do that, if you ask this question, if you pray those prayers to those people, it's gonna change how you do your work. It's gonna change how you love people and how you love God through that. All right, well, I'm going to invite the band up, and so as they're coming up, um, I just want this last final encouragement for us, and it's going to lead right into next week, and it's this. I think something really important on the work conversation is that we need to work out of a place of rest, okay? We need to work out of a place of rest. To do work well in the ways that we're talking about here, we need to rest, Our work has to come out of a place of rest. I think equally also that our rest must come out of a place of work. See, this pattern, these patterns will ensure that both rest and work are done to the glory of God so that we can worship him in obedience to him as well, to love him, to love others. See, for some of us, our work might be destroying us, either at your job or what you do for work, and you've had no rest. You're just go, go, go. For others, we may see Christianity this way. Either you're a believer who still thinks that we need to do more works to be right with God, and that's burning us out. Or for those that aren't followers of Jesus, maybe we see Christianity, we're like, see, it's all about working, working to a thing, and that's burning you out before you even know anything about it. And so those things are just not the truth of it. The truth is this, and I love what Jesus says here. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Worship and obey. Do that and come to Jesus through it, and he will give you rest. This, this is for those that are not tapping back into their relationship with Jesus and burning themselves out at, at our work. For those that still feel like they need to do good works to be right and have a right relationship with Jesus, then the truth is that we do do good works. We should do good work. We should be the best at our work. But it's because of or out of our relationship that we already have with Jesus. So we need to work out of a place of rest and out of a place of rest in Jesus Come to him above everything else as you are worshiping and obeying God even through your work. Let's pray. Well Jesus, thank you uh, God for your patterns that we can um, view from you and the things that you've modeled for us. God, um, you, you were a hard worker. You, you, you were an architect like your dad. You became into ministry like your father. God, you, you, your work is good. And God, just as we saw in this passage in Genesis that our number one job above everything else is to worship you and to obey you. God, help us to do that even in our work or our jobs or what we do for work. It takes up so much of our day and our lives to kind of just ignore it and set that aside. God, you're you're involved in our lives and you have something to say about these things. Help us, Lord, and help us to come to you for rest these things. I pray that we we take these questions to heart. We pray about them. And God, that we do that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.